from Montreal. Around the world. Jeremy White Podcast. With Boostan. For the best Lebanese cuisine in Montreal, it's got to be Boostan. Visit boostan.ca. Now, the Jeremy White Podcast. Yo. All right, what's up? Episode two, we are here. Episode 2, version 2, because yesterday I came to Mitch's house to record the podcast and the recorder screwed up for some reason. I'm telling you, that high-end gear. <laughs> Dude, it makes me upset because there's I, I see podcasts out there, I see like videos, and I'm like, you guys are using the shittiest equipment, yep. but it works, and then I have all this great gear, and it sucks. I'm telling you, a little plug-in mic to the iPhone, it's fucking beautiful. Yeah, like, you know, you and I show up to go do an interview somewhere, I've got all this gear, and then you just roll up with your iPhone, a little external mic <laughs> plugging into the lightning. And I'm like, D- are you kidding me? But it's a Shure microphone, my little iPhone plug-in. So oh. it's actually not that bad. Well, there you go. As long as it's but sure. But it's never failed me. No, it hasn't. Whereas, you know, with my, my Zoom H4. And you know why I have this Zoom or handheld recorder? So the when I was first starting on radio, uh, I was doing the classic uh, hard rock hair metal show. Right. The Rock Rewind. So I was supposed to go and interview a band. But I didn't have anything to record the interview with. What band? Well, hold on. So I go to Steve's music, okay? Go into the recording right. section. Uh, Sheldon, rest in peace, Sheldon. Which is like the guitar center if you're listening yeah, in the exactly. States. Yeah, exactly. But, right. you know, Steve's music is the legendary um, Montreal right. music store. So I went to Steve's. I said, listen, I'm about to go do an interview. Get me two handheld mics, two mic wires, and an external recorder. And they said, okay, this is what you need. You did this and this. So I got two Sennheiser mics because I like the way they looked. Uh, I got wires and I got this Zoom H4n. So I rolled up. It was already booked in advance with like the publicist and everything. It was like my first in-person interview. I was so excited. And the guy was just a total prick. He just totally blew me up. I just spent $400-something, $500. I was making $30 a week at the radio station. I saved up enough money to go and buy some recording equipment aside from working there and at the gas station. (laughs) And this motherfucker... Just blew me off completely. Just didn't even give me the time of day, even though it was a scheduled interview. Tracy Guns. Mm. Ouch. Ouch. It was it was the 37th. Delana show. Yeah, it was the 37th incarnation of LA Guns. I think he was the only original member yeah. in the band. And uh, it was the chick singer. Yeah, what's her name? Delana? Delana. Yeah. If I remember correctly, uh, they put out an acoustic CD with Jizzy Pearl. And then they went and yeah. toured it. And then he quit. So they got Delana as a replacement. And then she quit like two weeks later? And then she quit. So, in fact, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I think the Montreal show was the last or the before last show ever with Delana. Wow. Now, mind you, it was a good show. Let oh, me, yeah. I uh, loved it. You know, to see, you know, Kiss My, Kiss My Love Goodbye perform live and Malaria and yeah, all and, those tunes. And, and Delana's a great With singer. one original member, you know, the guy on the guitar. Well, listen, they're a little bit like a uh, McDonald's franchise. Well, you know, Phil Lewis has said that in interviews. That, no, uh, no, Tracy has said that in Tracy interviews. Tracy said that. With Gibson Guitar. Yeah, you know, L.A. Guns. I mean, you know, I just got into a little bit of a feud with uh, L.A. Guns, with Tracy Guns on Twitter. He blocked me and everything. Yep. Yeah. So, but in, but in 2011, where there was two LA guns running around, and the interview line that he was using was, "Hey, we don't get to do what we want in the band, so now we have our own versions of the band, like a McDonald's franchise. We can do what we want, and everybody's happy." Yes. And hey, more power to them. Why well, not? Hey, if it's a McDonald's franchise, it's only fair that there's two versions of the band on the road right now. Sorry, sitting at home right now. Right, sitting at home right now, you know, which is which is another big, big problem, all this sitting at home stuff. Yeah, because, uh, exactly. Hey, talking about sitting at home, if you're looking for something to eat tonight, make sure you head over to Boostan. Boostan, the best Lebanese cuisine in Montreal, proud sponsors of the Jeremy White Podcast. They got over 24 locations around the Montreal area. I recommend the uh, chicken trio with just garlic, coleslaw, and potatoes on the pita. They actually put the potatoes on the pita. Game changer. I think I can just have the chicken and the pita nice and plain. That, that would be really good for me. Why would you want to do that? Because, you know, plain is good. Everybody complains about how difficult <laughs> you I am. Of, you're afraid of flavor, isn't it? That's what it is. I, 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 chicken bread is good, man. That's all you need. Weren't we at M3 last year and you ordered a hamburger, like a plain hamburger? Always. Always a plain hamburger. So it's just meat on the bread, no sauce, nothing. Nothing. That's so weird. I used to add salt. But then most places, oh. they over-salt their burgers yeah. anyway. Well, yeah, because so. they season it when they cook it. And once in a while, when I'm feeling really frisky, I'll put french fries on the burger. 
<laughs> fucking delicious. I, I couldn't be able to eat uh, with no oh, like, sauce. You have to have a French fry hamburger. It's the greatest thing. Well, you know, in the UK, they actually have a sandwich. It's a potato. It's a French fry sandwich called the Potato Buddy. So you go and it's French fries on a freaking roll. You know, I'm going to tell you this one thing about Europe. I went to Belgium. I mean, I went. I've been all over Europe, but I went to Belgium once and I asked for a hamburger. And the person I was with said, "Oh, it's not like the states. No, I went, it's a burger." Yeah. They they stuck the 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 meat on the bread, <laughs> and then they dropped the whole thing in a deep fryer. And I was like, what? "I was like, what was that?" And and then so they deep fried the whole the whole thing. They pulled it out, stuck it in a basket, and then they put out the fries, and then they swaddled the fries with all kinds of mayonnaise. And I'm like. Oh. I'm like, oh, deep fried burger with mayonnaise fries. Oh. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> did, did you eat it? N- no, I don't eat mayonnaise. <laughs> the the, the look me. of disgust on your Ooh. face right now. You know no. what they call a. Well, I mean, I had the burger. The, the burger they kept on a side plate, and it was actually crispy. Which <laughs> you know what they. Uh, you know, <laughs> it was good. You know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in uh, Paris? The Royale. The Royal. Roy- Royale with cheese. Yes. Yeah. And the Big Mac, they uh, they just call it uh, Big Mac, but it's Le Big Mac. It's too bad you're so young because in the 90s in Quebec, they sold McDonald's pizza. Yeah, everybody talks about Dude, it was so good. It was like two bucks or was two. Was it nine. really, though? It really was. It, because it was I feel cheap. Like, I feel like that's going to Red Lobster and ordering spaghetti. Like, <laughs> well, Actually, when I go to Red Lobster, I order chicken, but that's a whole other story. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> that's messed up. But, but yeah, they had McPizza and... It was like two ninety nine for a little private pizza. Then it would they'd get it ready in three form, and it was good. It was really good. I'd like to have a I Bustan mean, pizza. Like they just put everything like open faced on the pita as opposed to wrapping it. I think that's oh, yeah. a good idea. Yeah, that's not bad. Not a bad idea at all. It's strange though because uh, when it, we 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 we've talked about this before. I don't like all these condiments. I, I don't. Ketchup, mustard, fuck it. Well, dude, you're like my grandmother. My grandmother used to own a catering business <laughs> in Gunawage. We're almost the same age. They, 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 you know, they did caterings for like every wedding and funeral in town. It was the tastiest food you'd ever eat. Grace's case and caterings. But now my grandmother, like, I'll cook for her, bring her food. She'll be like, oh, what's this? And I'm like, well, there's uh, blah, 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 this, this, and this. She's like, oh, just salted pepper. It's not well done. I'm salted. not eating it. Right, but I, I don't know. I love Indian food, and yet that's all about the sauces. Yeah, that's all sauce. That's, all, that's packed with flavor. <laughs> I I know. It, may, you, it makes no sense. So do you eat like the butter chicken and stuff? And No. Well, I won't eat the butter chicken, but I'll eat everything else. You won't eat butter chicken. I mean, I would if I was starving, but I don't order it. Let's put it so that way. What do you way. order at the Indian place? You uh, get like ba. I get uh, bacon barta, which is the eggplant. I get uh, bindi. I get, um, God. Uh, Speaking of to... eggplant, you're the guy that goes to the Chinese restaurant and orders that uh, eggplant. eggplant plate, oh. but you won't have sauce on your burger. It's, it's, you're very no. weird. I know. It, it, look, I will have uh, pizza, which is sauce and cheese, and yet on my spaghetti, it has to be plain. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't eat any sauce on your pasta. No. Is, what is it? Just noodles and just, like butter? You, what do you for? Parmesan. Parmesan cheese. Noodles and Parmesan. Yes. That's it. That's messed up. That's okay. Listen. So not, when you go to an Italian joint, they're famous for their sauce, their bolognese. And yeah, you're like, no. I don't go to Italian. I'll, I'll go to a, a, an Indian restaurant or a you're good weird. old- Ribs and chicken place, but but even ribs. It took me a long time to work my way up to eating rib sauce but, because of the sauce. But now now I'm good. Yeah, because ri- ribs with salt and pepper just doesn't fucking work. <laughs> You're a weirdo, total yeah. weirdo. Yeah. Well, I, you know, listen. Um, oh wow. Oh it's, hey, it's pouring it's rain. Pouring on rain on us now. Wow. You well, want to run underneath the thing? Yeah, let's run underneath let's the thing. Go real run quick. underneath the thing really quick. <laughs> Can you hear the rain falling, people? Where did that come people! from? I know it's raining out there. Oh, wow, that came out of nowhere. Well, welcome to uh, welcome to this part of the world. Welcome. See, this is what I like about the podcast. We're on the air, and why is the dog just standing now? The dog's running. Okay, I'm gonna. And Mitch is gonna go grab him, and he's running back, and he's got the dog in his hands, and he's soaking wet. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we went from sunny skies to suddenly a Florida type downpour, just out of nowhere. And now your wife's just looking at us through the window, like, "What the fuck I are know. you doing?" Well, that's, that was uh, fascinating. Anyway. Hey, so on uh, episode one, getting a lot of good reviews so far, which is great. I want to give a shout out to Mike Watney, who messaged me on Twitter and said, uh, five stars out of the shoots. I have a suggestion for you. You should name your fans the Jeremy Juggernauts. You don't want to call them the sad little pumpkins? <laughs> no, no, no. That's every member of LA Guns. 
Not every member. Jeremy Juggernauts. I think that's a good name. Uh, you know, it means an overwhelming force. What do you think? That works. That do works. I, do I want to be a lame podcaster with a fandom, uh, with a name for my fandom? Hey, if you can throw it on a t-shirt and make a couple of bucks, might as well. <laughs> I saw, actually, speaking of uh, merch, so I've, I've actually gotten a lot of messages asking people for uh, if we're going to be doing t-shirts or uh, guitar picks and stuff. And I'm like, yes, the answer is yes to all of it. So going to have to get some t-shirts done up and get some guitar picks made and, and basically just entirely ripping off Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn in the merch line because well, well, yeah, but every, everybody has to be doing merch you know yeah that's kind of like what everybody's doing to survive at this point you well, know podcast like Spotify is paying you for a podcast well that's it I mean you know they're paying Joe Rogan a hundred million dollars I have to pay them to have my podcast on Spotify at this point you know <laughs> so whatever it is what it is uh, also want to give a shout out to uh, Maricela and Steve Bonsfield of the Gunnawagi Eastern Door local newspaper for doing a cool little article on the podcast which is awesome to promote it and get some info out into the community. I'm, I'm debating what I want to do on the podcast, though, because, you know, there is a portion of me that does want to just keep talking to the rock stars and stuff and the pop stars and the country people, which I'm working on doing. But then there's also a part of me, because I talked about it in the interview with the Eastern Door, I want to cover some of the stuff that's happening in and around my community and different things. Maybe talk to some of the chiefs when uh, there's a political issue going on in the town. Because I come from quite the political kind of hotspot on the south shore of Montreal in a native reservation where there's constantly something that's going on. Or there's some type of controversy or there's some type of talk at the town. So I'm thinking about maybe having like just an extension of the podcast to talk about my local news and then have like you know a portion of the podcast for the rock people or the country people and stuff and i think the podcast should be whatever it is it, you know whatever yeah talk, you know i think it, it's it's whatever fascinates you because if it fascinates you you can talk about it with a, a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm and i think a, a listenership will tune in and go hey this guy's fascinating because you know you listen to howard stern and sometimes he's got paul mccartney on and sometimes he's got whatever sting on yeah but other times he's got you know horse tooth jackass so well that's it so you whatever know? fascinates you and the whole thing with the podcast is that like you know i i don't even consider this uh, the podcast to be competition with the radio station you know people have been asking me like oh are you going to leave the radio station and just do the podcast like uh, you know is it going to be better and i'm like <laughs> no absolutely not like i love the radio station like right. but it, it's it's a completely different thing where like you know it's not competition in the sense that when i'm on the radio i'm live on the air and you get me on the time slot that i'm allotted to at that moment whereas with this your 45 second uh, in between well yeah but whatever you know i have no problem with it for the record Uh, no i'm not Uh, saying you have a problem with it but uh, with a podcast at least you can go long form you can have five minute introduction 10 minute introductions yeah exactly not just like hey everybody here's the new uh, dua lipa song okay off i go yeah on uh, on the beat oh don't forget the weather it's gonna rain Traffic down a Turcot. Yeah. You know, so, you know, with the podcast, on the air, you hear me live, and you get me live in the moment. Whereas with the podcast, you can listen to me when you're ready to listen. Right. It's available on demand. So I, I don't consider the podcast competition. Even when it comes to uh, c- content on the podcast, like I said, you know, I'm going to be covering all kinds of different things, whether it's my community or music or, you know, could be talking to just like uh, different uh, experts and having guests or friends come on the show and stuff. And Right. So... I, I I'm uh, it's it's fun it's kind of finding a groove the podcast and it's been a lot of work you know with this interview that we're that I'm about to play with Aldo Novo we went to Aldo's house and we yeah. shot this epic interview I mean uh, you and I both went together you set it up and he invited us to his house right first off well his we, his building that's a big giant studio yeah and I say how yeah, yeah you use the term house loosely because <laughs> the whole freaking thing is a studio so, so let house. me describe it real quick for those who, who've never been to Aldo's house and I'm assuming most people haven't <laughs> we were pretty <laughs> lucky to get invited to Aldo Nova's right. but but compound. you walk into this sort of mansion and on the right which would be a living room or a hallway or what three grand pianos I don't know how many guitars like 20 guitars uh, the Logic Studio setup, it's everything, right? And it yeah. goes, oh, the acoustics in this room is perfect for this kind of... Yeah, know. that was his like acoustic room because he had like the, the grand pianos. He had an upright bass. He, but he, yeah. Plus the guitars, he had like a pedal steel in there. And then, <laughs> no. like in the in, weirdly, in the corner was at his, like, uh, his workstation and it was totally digital. Like he had like the right. computer and he had the keyboard and he's doing programming and he's doing composing of like uh, virtual strings and instruments and stuff. And, and then you work your way up upstairs to where would be you know the kids bedrooms or whatever yeah and you walk in 
and it's another studio. But yeah. this time it's all the synthesizers and all the electronica yeah. stuff. All like, like 2020 making like you could have made Dua Lipa's last album yes. in the studio. And, and then you go down into the basement. Now that was the room. Now that's the room. It's got an isolation booth. It's got the board, like a massive board, which actually the house was built around. You can't even, it wasn't yeah. even brought in. Uh, yeah, he said that, right? right. He said he, that the, they installed the board downstairs and then they built the house around it. Correct. And he said the only way to get this board out would be to actually tear the house apart, which is, <laughs> yes, there's no way that board is going up the stairs. No, I mean, there's it's, no not, way. it's not getting through the sliding. It's not even making that turn. No, you know? not, not at all. So... So you, you go into this house, and basically he's got a bathroom that's functional, a kitchen that's functional, and I'm assuming his bedroom that's functional. Probably. And But everything else is studio. Yeah. There was no TVs, not that I can remember. Dude, I don't remember seeing a single TV in that house. Nope. Just giant, like his computer screens were like TVs. We had gold and platinum records from Celine Dion, and there was an Elton John tribute record, and John yeah. Bon Jovi, Eric and all kinds Point of other and- Right, all kinds of French-Canadian artists, and no TVs. No. Just gear. Just totally creative how, environment. How many guitars do you think were in the house that, that we saw? Maybe 70? Yeah, I, I would say there's a lot. What was that lot? one out and, of 12 that he had? He goes, there's 12 of these. And well, Rick that's, Nielsen- that's his own guitar. It's his signature guitar. There was 12 in the world. He owns one, and Rick, Rick Nielsen owns the other 11. The guy from Cheap Trick. <laughs> so we covered that in the interview, and you know, talking about all those studio and stuff. If you want to watch the full video, we got it for you on the YouTube channel. So, right. But we're going to run the audio version here, obviously, because you're not watching this. You're and, listening to it. And just real quick, let's uh, talk about the Bon Jovi stuff. I mean, yeah. he, he, he opens this drawer with cassette tapes. And he pulls one out and he goes, oh, here's a demo John sent me to uh, to work up. And it's just like, wow, he's got these unreleased John Bon Jovi That demos. nobody's ever heard before. And he's like, oh, let me play it for you. And right. uh, I got some of it on tape. So if you go in to watch the video interview, uh, at the be- very, very beginning of the of the Aldenova interview, I put up there a small little snippet of that unreleased, never heard before Bon Jovi demo. So I'm waiting to get a cease and desist from John and with his autograph and on Universal it. Music. And, and yeah. then, of course, I hope I don't get one. But of course, at the same time, I'm like, kind of hope I do get a cease and desist from Bon Jovi. <laughs> well, it would legitimize you in a yeah. sense. But also there was that time where he, he says, well, Richie Sambora and Obi O'Brien showed up and recorded the live out al- the Bon Jovi live album yeah. here. And it's like, ah, uh, what? What do you the live album? In- was there a private concert here that we missed? <laughs> You know, but well, of course, to be fair, what is live anyway at, at this at this point in time? Nothing. Every, everything's touched up. It's not even touched up. There's a lot of there's there's a few albums that I know, like the Guns and Roses. Right. They had live like a suicide. Alan Niven has told me over and over and over again. No, we recorded it down at whatever Rumbo Studios or whatever it was called. Right. And then they put in the NFL crowd swell after. <laughs> and he's actually sent me or played for me the songs without the swell and you go oh yeah oh wow this is a studio track yeah Yeah. and and kiss alive 3 was not as live as well if you watch kiss alive 3 and then you watch the dvd uh kind of right you're looking at two different things two different shows so there's a lot of bands out there that will touch up of course van halen tokyo dome was redone in studio and that would have been so much better but it's actually endearing the way it is i mean it's it's really full of warts well, we'll talk about Tokyo Dome in the next episode yes. because I could, I could spend a whole episode talking about what's right and wrong with that album. Maybe we'll talk about so. how Michael Schenker was copied by Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, that's a good episode. <laughs> we'll say that for the next episode, too. Because that's a nice little teaser because you've been introducing me to your almost thousand song long <laughs> Scorpions playlist. We keep saying we're going to go on a road trip once like everything's open again and we're going to we're gonna have to listen to the entire Scorpions playlist. <laughs> playlist. Thou- so what's it at now? It's almost uh, at a thousand. Currently, uh, I'm still working on it here. Yeah. It is at 724 songs. Oh, my but it, God. Listen, it, is, it is Scorpions and then it is Michael Schenker and all the Michael Schenker groups yeah. and then it's UFO. So it's, it's it's sort of like a Schenkerish scorpion where I blended everything, but <laughs> but know. those that those uh, the UFO songs that you played me like those are like the one what's that called that song? Uh, well, the one I played the uh, one that sounds like everybody wants them. Sorry, the one that everybody wants them sounds like that is the uh, hold on. It is, uh, it, it is it is it is it is it is. I gotta find it real quick. It's a scorpion because that's in 1972. And then if you look if you listen to uh, Women and Children first, everybody wants them. The drum intro at the top, the jungle beat, and Eddie's all all of his guitar sounds and his effects that he uses, like with the delay and the and like the pick swells and the spring noises. It, it's he's totally copying Michael Schenker. Here, yeah. put it on the mic. Put it on the mic. Okay, yeah, I'm going mad. 
It's called I'm Going Mad from Lonesome Crow. Okay. Well. Here. That's totally... That's everybody it. wants some. Yes. And this was recorded in 71 or 72. So, yeah. so eight years earlier. and So there's no way that Eddie copied, uh, or he, my, they copied Eddie. No way. No way. No, Eddie copied Schenker. Totally. 100%. Interesting. Yes. And I wonder if Greg Renoff, Renoff knows about this. I think so. You know, uh, Eddie Trunk actually mentioned it, mm. that Michael Schenker was Randy Rhodes and Eddie Van Halen before there was a Randy Rhodes and Eddie Van Halen. And he's not really credited as such, like in general population. No, because he's considered to be a difficult guy to work with and a bit nuts. Ah. And and so, but real fans will mm. know that, yeah, that sound, that tone, that stuff, they they took it from him. Well, I'm going to have to listen to more of that stuff. Yeah. yeah, you, you, yeah you gave no. me two albums to listen to. Your, so your eyes to. are going to go, oh, oh. Like, wow, this is early 70s? What? Yeah. We need to play a... a, a a trip to, I guess, Tallahassee, so we can play yeah, this entire. Yeah. But it's interesting, you know. You're you're of that age group where uh, you know you're still into making yourself playlists with some of your favorite bands today. It's the kids like, oh yeah, I like Roddy Rich on uh, fifty four hours currently. Fifty four <laughs> hours. How do you even listen to the entire playlist? Uh, what I do is you'd I, have to drive from here to L. A. No, but I, listen, I, I go for five k walks every day. It's my minimum five k. Okay. You know, and so you walk five k every day. Every day. Every day I have to walk 5K. I don't care if like, I have I a cold. I walked every day, but not that long. That's actually short. I used to do 12. A day? A day. But the heat Jesus. this summer was just fucking brutal. I, I just, I couldn't. It was, the extent yeah. of my walking is like from my bed to my fridge at this no, point. No, no. So it's five a day. So, and with a dog. So it's between 60 to 75 minutes a day. Yeah. So that gives me about 20, 25 songs a day. So yeah, I mean the playlist takes me about a month to go through, but I've actually gone through it twice. The whole thing. Well, you had to build the playlist, so right. But I I had the five hundred song version before I started adding the UFO (laughs) stuff. But I I actually went through the five hundred and fifty-five song version twice. Wow. So no, no, no. You know, dude, you spent over a thousand hours on a playlist. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the Apple Watch and stuff, I'm doing like something like six hundred miles a year of walking. Holy shit! (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah. I gotta start walking and listening to this playlist then. But that's the thing when you're when you've got these songs just going, you don't notice, right? I mean, this summer when it was 110 degrees in July, you start <laughs> you sort of notice. You're like, yeah, I'm going home. But but mostly you just you just keep walking and because uh, like today I I added some stuff to the playlist, mm-hmm. and instead of going my normal route, I went an extra detour because I wanted to hear the extra songs. <laughs> So it's it 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 works out. It's listen. It's it's old man aerobics. Let's call it that. Old man aerobics. Yeah. Listening to the Scorpions, <laughs> thousand song playlist, and, and UFO and Shanker and oh my god, look at you. Yeah, my workout playlist would be uh, Britney Spears and Shania Twain, Backstreet Boys, sprinkle in some Van Halen, Def Leppard. You're you're good. <laughs> you're good to go. You know. Oh my lord. All right. Well, let's get right over to Aldo Nova. Uh, don't forget, watch the uh, full video interview. It's on my YouTube channel, and you'll get that unreleased, never-heard-before Bon Jovi demo, which is pretty cool. Anything, uh, what do you got on your show this week? Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. By the way, if people don't necessarily know or recognize my voice, if you listen to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon right at the beginning, yes. you hear me. Yes. I'm the voice guy. You Rock the, Talk with Mitch LaFon. That is right. You're, you are the uh, the intro. Um this week, let's see, I just put up Katrina and the Waves talking about how she used to open up for Metallica. Well, wait, Mitch, that's not rock. But Katrina she, and the Waves aren't rock. What kind rock. of rock talk are you doing? But what they're the rock. Fuck? They're rock. She's opening for Metallica. She's rock. Uh, and then we're doing uh, Chips Enough next week. And then the week after that, I'm doing my own Aldo Nova. I put up my video version already. Oh, yes, right. But, uh, yeah, and I'm doing a lot of the video stuff these days. A lot of everybody wants to zoom all the time. So it's yeah. like, okay. Yeah, that's the thing about my videos. I'm, uh, I'm, that's, that was the whole basis of the podcast that would like the videos. I wanted to up the level of quality a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, with the like zoom my graphics. Stuff is, yeah, I don't like recording on Zoom. Like with my Steve Stevens interview, my webcam was out of sync with my mic audio and it was just like a bitch to edit and like it still looked good, but. You know, it's to... But instead of, like, working two hours to edit, you're now, like, at 12 hours to well, edit. Well, that's it. You know, with, like, the Aldo Nova video, for example, like, uh, it's a half-hour interview. I edited it for on and off for eight and a half hours in total. Right. And that's because you were limited in your, your footage because one of your cameras bummed out. Well, it bummed out at a certain point, but it actually didn't. So it stayed out the whole way up to a certain point, 
and then it stopped and then it I I you actually see me on camera go and like push start again on the other camera but it's because I have to watch it in real time and then do the separate cuts back and forth right between the two so that takes a half hour and then if I'm inserting graphics in between it you know people just think oh I'm just gonna do a podcast I'm gonna push start and record and uh, just throw it up there right. and you know, everybody's gonna watch it no right. there's a lot of work that goes into it yes and if you want it to look good and be quality you know like at the radio station for example I'm just so used to such high quality like all of our graphics and everything comes yeah. from an agency and it's so well done and so I'm, I'm hugely influenced by the beat and like other radio stations in the UK and yeah, stuff the when beat it comes is to slick. the beat is real slick really slick and, and, and Alda Nova said clearly it's his favorite <laughs> channel I remember favorite you telling me I still don't believe you that he said that but no, he, he, did. Was, he was very nice so. when I said that uh, Jeremy White was coming out from the beat 92 he goes, he goes yeah I know I know him I, that's the only channel I listen to I go what do you mean Dude. he goes, he goes the, the other ones and we're not going to name them he goes they don't play good music or they don't, their talk is boring he goes the beat man it's a perfect mix of talk and music and, and it's modern and it's flashy and they're, they're interesting yes we are they love Meg he loves Meg more yep. than you I know I'm sure he does well, who doesn't? does but yeah no he <laughs> He, he knew you like sometimes when we go to like M3 or something I go oh, I got the guy from Jerry they go okay, who's that because it's the states well yeah nobody yeah, knows me nobody knows yet yet and yet we go to Alden Nova's house and he's like yeah come on in come on in and then you show up with uh, your agent Barry and he's like dude Barry's here too perfect yeah <laughs> so he was all excited <laughs> he was know? super excited so it's and good. super thrilled well so. hey the Beat 92.5 it's the number one station in Montreal Canada's yeah. market too the number one station yeah if I don't have a name for myself in the city at this point it's kind of sad <laughs> and it's, it actually does sound good and, and I don't want to bad mouth serious XM but sometimes you listen to that stuff oh it just sounds like crap and you're just like, are you recording like in your closet? Like, what is going on here? Yeah, man. I, and and that's like the well, the, the hair nation. There's a couple of yeah things on there where you just listen to them speak and you go, wow, like, this is on pro broadcasting, dude. Okay. Were you recording on your iPhone in your closet or in yeah. your in your tub? It's so echoey and it's like, echoey. Yeah. Well, you know, at the end of the day, when you're working at Sirius and you're paying you ten bucks for like a six hour show, no, that's kind of bad. You're not gonna really care if you're sitting in your bathtub and you know. I know one guy who's on Sirius, and I said, "How much do they pay you?" And he goes, "He goes, Mitch, they don't pay me." I go, "Then why you do it?" He goes, "For the advertising, because I hear my name, and then when I can go do." The cruises or the talks or the whatever. Yeah, but and I'm come like, on. I'm like, wow. I mean, like, really? Hey, but it's a hobby at that point, and you're whoring yourself out for for to, to hopefully develop a name for yourself. It's like, and me- hopefully be invited to a cruise, and hopefully be invited because well, you're in competition with other people who are hoping for the same thing. Yes, hundreds of people that want to go and host on uh, X cruise or whatever. Yes. And it's like at that point, if you're not making money for the for the job, well, then it's a hobby. This podcast for me, I'm not making any money from it yet. Yet, it's a hobby. And I'm enjoying it because I have a day job and I do put 100% Correct. into that. And I've taken what I'm learning and I've learned from the radio show and incorporating it, in. it to do a little bit more rock stuff and yeah. country stuff that I'm interested in and talking. And, you know, like if you listen to my, my radio show, already I'm doing, you know, half of my show is pre recorded from my home studio. Right. And I built that home studio with the purpose of being able to do that. So right. when you listen to my show, you can't tell the difference if I pre-recorded from my house or if it's done live in the studio because I'm recreating the mic sound. I have the same microphone. I invested in the thousand dollar AKG mic. Yep. The processing is all through Pro Tools. Like it's it's done. Not well. Logic. Uh, I use Logic for my radio imaging. So like the intro that I make for the show and stuff that's right. done in Logic. But then I but I produce it in Pro Tools. Okay. So yeah. So because yeah, all those are. Big logic, and he's like, "No, I don't." don't yeah, talk for to me musicians, about and you're doing like composing and stuff. You're going to use Logic or Ableton or FL okay. Studio, but when you're mixing and tracking like a band or guitars, you're going Pro, Pro, Pro Tools. Tools. Okay, yeah. So you know, if you're using Pro Tools. I just prefer it. I've always used it. I, I started out on Audacity when I was first like getting into recording. Back when I was like pirating Ted Bird and Terry DeMonte's morning show jingles on Shome, like I back started in off early on high Commodore school. Commodore 64. <laughs> well, look at you. <laughs> you know, hey, Def Leppard did their demos on a little old Fostex uh, four track. So, God. hey, if it works, it works, you know? Yeah, you know, sometimes simpler is easier. You know, yeah. the, the good old days of four track or 16 track recording as opposed to the 87 guitar layers and the the, the one cymbal crash that repeated oh like sometimes <laughs> there's something a little more simplistic and pure to just like all right 
16 tracks. Well, I'm, down. listen, I'm the biggest Mutt Lang fan around, so I'm totally cool with having 40 tracks of just uh, effects symbol. or symbol, or symbol decay. <laughs> imagine if Def Leppard used a cowbell. He, they'd still be recording Hysteria. Well, if you listen to Rock of Ages, that cowbell is not a real cowbell. You know, it's probably been like sampled and resampled and cut and then extended and stretched inside the Fairlight. So originally it was like, Doo, and then it was turned into, Doo, and then it was sped back up to have that pitch. Doo. Dude. So how can they play live then? It's a sample. It's a it's a trigger. Right. So the, so they're 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 mechanical then. They're not live sure. live. What's wrong with that? Nothing. As long as you enjoy the show. Exactly. Don't tell Eddie Trunk that. No, but I'll just say this. We'll end on this. But when you go see a Marvel movie and you see you know Captain America or or Iron, <laughs> guess, what? guess what? It's not real. It's not real. And you love it. Yes. And you love it a lot because they make a lot of money. They make hundreds of millions on those movies. So, yes, they do. So you go, well, it's not the same thing as a band. It's like, well, yes, because you're there to, to enjoy yourself. Exactly. And if they sample it and you enjoyed it, go home and shut up. Just go home happy. Go home happy. Well, people always make that argument. Oh, if I wanted to hear the album, I'd sit at home and put the CD on. Okay, but when I'm going to a concert, I want to hear the best sound possible. Yes. I want the best show possible. Yes. I, you know, okay, I understand. And most it. people don't go to to listen to the music. They go to to be with their girlfriend, their wives, their kids. Most. Yeah, it's about the experience. Most old dudes that are going to Kiss shows now, they're not going to go see rock and roll all night for the 80th time. They're there because they have the 12-year-old son that wants to, I'm going to show my son. That's what yeah, they're going for. I'm going to show them the Kiss experience. Exactly. So it's it's not a... It's, Listen, if you're a band like LA Guns and you're playing at the bowling alley to seven people, like it doesn't really matter if you're running tracks or not. But uh, if you're yeah. playing in an arena... The Rib Fest circuit is, is the, Yeah, it, you know, it's it, it doesn't really matter. But if you're playing in the arena, good sound is pretty important and if you're running if you have to run some pre-recorded kind of thing i'm just trying to think when the last time la gun saw an arena (laughs) god it must have been late 80s i saw them in in denmark at a place called kb holland which is about five thousand. that was like 92 they were opening for skid row and they were opening they weren't even headlining no so i guess that was a hollywood vampires tour but yeah i i can't think of any arena show or stadium show that they've been on since that yeah well if that was the case i would be a thin-skinned prick too yeah yeah so anyways my apologies to ace von johnson by the way he totally misinterpreted my message i was talking about the other guitar player in that band not him <laughs> ace is the coolest guy I, mean, I, I like ace i have nothing against ace i have no problems with him i know he tried to say i was backtracking on my comments and everything but dude it wasn't uh, about you you know what twitter is not a great place to have a conversation <laughs> no it's not it's it's really not it's not it, it leads to a lot of mis- misinterpretations and a lot of you yeah. know same thing with me i put up something about the, the new la guns putting out a single and then I got some some heat for it, so I I took it down, I deleted it, and I changed yeah, it. Yeah, but you I'm, completely listen. Your whole thing is that but you I was put trying it to get there, it right. Yes, like oh, you're backtracking. I was like, no, I'm not backtracking. You asked me to make it right, so I'm making it right. The, yeah, the, yeah, but they still pin you as like as the douchebag. But I know. You, your whole thing is that you went about it with zero malicious intent whatsoever. You literally copy pasted a press release, which is what you do. I, I, I absolutely copied and pasted a press release, hundred percent. You report what is sent to you, right? So it's not your fault that there's two LA guns and it's no. easily. Uh, mistaken one for the other it's not your fault it's not your fault there's high school drama between a couple of people and they can't get their fucking shit together for any of the bands whether it's la guns or exactly right white and why should you be held accountable or put the task on what you're just you're just reporting what you're told you got a press release from an from a label so i got a press release and it was very you know great the new greg la guns the greatest thing ever yeah their revival or whatever the word was so fans took a a offense to that so i pulled down my my fans it was like five people but go on right well yeah but i (laughs) so i pulled down the tweet and then i reposted it later and then i'm like oh if you're gonna post it you should stand up have a back i was like no people are not reacting well to this so i corrected it i made it say i wrote la guns featuring steve rylan and then and to try to be as precise as possible, yeah. and all of a sudden you're you're a heel and you're a horrible. Oh, I mean, you know, it's stupid. Oh, you Mitch, you're picking sides. You're on Steve Riley's side, or you're uh, against listen. us. And even like, you know, Phil Lewis comment taking the opportunity to comment on a on a Frankie Benali post. The dude just died, and he goes and calls you out on. It's just so classless over there. Yeah, and and you know what, uh, Nikki Six said it best. I guess in 2014, he, he called Phil a, a sad little pumpkin, and he said, "Listen." They're never going to be on a, an opening band for any of these shows ever again. 
Yep. And quite frankly, it's been about 30 years that they've been in an arena. Yep. Sad Little Pumpkins. I mean, that should no be the offense. next. Uh, that should be the next album title. Uh, and and the thing is, I like the music, and I like their I like their 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 talent. I think he's a great oh. guitar, great singer. But they might be douchebags to me, but I still enjoy the music, so yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's go enjoy the music. Let's go enjoy uh, Alda Nova. Yeah. And going to his house really was a fantasy. Yeah. And uh, thanks so much for setting that up. And uh, let's get right over to Alda Nova. And by the way, you can watch the full interview on my YouTube channel, and make sure you like and subscribe. All right. Let's get over right into uh, here's Alda Nova. The Jeremy White Podcast. Podcast. The Jeremy White Podcast. Here we are. We're uh, in Aldo Nova studio. Um, you know, it's no longer City Nights. No, it's Saint Lazar. <laughs> like, did you ever catch yourself singing that in the shower? Like, just probably. Up the lyrics? <laughs> it's a long time I don't sing that song, but although I just recently discovered how powerful that song is, you know, even the first recording of it. Right uh, on the first record is like sounds like cannons. I mean, it's like well, you know, for a record that came out in that year, it was eighty two. Yeah, eighty two. You know, you listen to the other records that were coming out at that time. It wasn't necessarily the big production yet. Exactly. You know, you had the journey. Okay, there was some stuff. You had Back in Black that was sort of setting the the template for what record, what rock records are going to sound like. You had Boston. You had Billy Idol, but then you had Fantasy, right. and the production on that album. It's just so explosive. Well, the like I said, the sound was made by Tony Bon Jovi with that explosive sound. But all of the tracks were done. Actually, all the tracks were re- my demos right. uh, that I really? recorded. Yeah, I recorded all the demos and. Uh, so how much of the demos actually made it onto the master? All of them. It's all just demo. Yeah. At first, I was making new wave stuff like Gary Newman for a guy that hired me to write songs and sing on them like a ghostwriter and yeah. ghost singer. And then uh, he skipped out, and then after that, uh, I had a half an album of new wave stuff and half an album of uh, rock stuff, like Fantasy Under the Gun. Yeah. And then I went into this label, and they said, well, you only have half a record. So once, <laughs> once they, uh, they said that, well, then I just went crazy and wrote the other half so, and made a whole album. It's interesting you say that, though, because like, at the time... You know, there wasn't necessarily a defining line of what was rock and what was new wave and what was pop. Like, you know, fantasy, top 40 music in 2020. Right. Top, top 40 wouldn't touch it. Yeah, exactly. You know? But all, all fantasy is, is I didn't create a style. I did create a, a sound for what, what came to follow. I mean, you know, the Bon Jovis and all yeah. those bands. But well, all I did was take Boston vocals, um, Boston guitars, all my... Um, all my influences and put it into there, you know? So, Boston was a huge influence, like Tom Schultz. Boston, and yeah, Journey, uh, all these bands. Clean. Like, if you listen to those backing vocals on Fooling Yourself, like, where'd you get yeah. the idea to do those big layered vocals? Because Def Leppard and Mott Lang then went and just took that one step further and exactly yeah. know, added an extra 48 tracks to yeah, it. <laughs> but that's Mutt. He's a genius. I mean, you know. Did you ever get the chance to meet Mutt in the I've 80s or I've never met with him? Mutt. With everybody I've met in my life, I've never met a Mutt. I'd love to meet him yeah. and shake his hand. You know, I mean, just say, man, you're the, you're the best. You know, so. Was Mutt a big like influence to your albums in the 80s or in general? I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know if he was doing... Def Leppard then because I think that Def Leppard had only done one one album yeah. on, on Through the Night or something well, like that. Well, they did High and Dry in 80 with Mutt and that was the first Mutt record they did. Right. Mitch, was it 80 or 81? High and Dry. 80, uh, 81? 82, 81 or 82, yeah. Because Pyromania is 83 so it's 81. Yeah. So, yeah, because, you know, I mean, it sounded big but then once Pyromania came out, you know, I was, I was just talking to Steve Stevens last week about this and going back to the guitar sound and all those things like the production of those albums you know everything that you guys were doing at the time was considered innovative because exactly. it wasn't stuff that was done before and now kids are just discovering that now 1000% yeah they're just discovering like Billy Idol and they go man it rocks my 22 year old used to listen to trap music and and you know and rap right and now he's just discovered like just the other night we were watching a movie I think it was Hot Rod with uh, Andy Samberg 
and there's this, like Europe song at the beginning, a cheesy '80s song. <laughs> that's a final and he goes, countdown. Dad, that song is great, and he shazams it. You know what I mean? Right. So, and you're so, like, uh, son, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Exactly. But it's 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 true though. Everything old is new again. Yeah, I mean, kids are listening to Led Zeppelin now. But when I was young, that's this beauty of being my age. Um, I was when Led Zeppelin was playing. That was current. That was on the radio. That yeah. was uh, that was on the station. I listened to CKGM with Ralph Lockwood uh, when I was a kid, and they had great radio, great AM radio. Right, they'd play all the hits. Legend, Montreal, legendary Montreal radio DJ. Exactly. So um, I grew up in the, in the time when music had you know like when the Supremes I watched the Beatles at Sullivan show for the first time but live I didn't have to go to YouTube and watch it well that's it you were sitting in front of your tube TV burning your eyes watching yeah, the exactly. Beatles yeah uh, exactly playing with the aluminum foil on the antenna <laughs> trying to get a better signal <laughs> channel 12 what channel was it <laughs> channel 12 uh, no it was channel 6 I think I remember there was only 6 at the time only 6 and 12 <laughs> 6 okay. 12 no there was uh, also 10 and 2 okay. oh which yeah, channel was Blue and Wit on? <laughs> Mitch is going no. <laughs> okay, so talking about like everything old is new again. Uh, you know, you just said that you were working with Tony and uh, Bon Jovi on the record, and kind of setting the template for what was to come. You know, in a way, it was a pretty influential record because you listen to the Bon Jovi stuff that came after. Pretty good sounding albums. Yeah, but I don't think about Bon Jovi. Didn't ha- Tony Bon Jovi had nothing to do with those albums? You right. know what I mean? I mean, after at that point, Bruce but with Farrin, yours, and then people listened to yours and said, "I want my snare to sound like that. Exactly, I want my yeah. wide. I want wide, big guitars to sound like Aldo Nova." Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I, I, there was a certain sound that was emulated after that, which yeah. was you know. So I was sort of a groundbreaker. So. Um, oh, totally. You know, I just did. You know, I took my my uh, my influences, put them in a thing, made them in a story out of it, and then uh, the sound came out. But it was all you know, music that I'd grown up with. It wasn't like intentional. It was, you know, it's like I make music from instincts. I don't make music right. from formula. You, you didn't know? go in with the mindset of, oh, I need to make something super commercial sounding. No. no but then, but- in the process, did it. I mean, you're, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. To I mean, sound commercial. you're you're, you're a, excuse the expression a gear slut. Yes, so I I'll, am. So I'll explain to you <laughs> what it took back then to do fantasy. In other words, we were using tape, two, uh, one inch tape, uh, no half inch tape, and so to create a loop. Uh, like a two-bar loop. Like today, you just put a drum machine on. Well, it's and so you easy. Put two bars. Yeah, you go on the grid and it's there. Yeah, exactly. So, Where, were you playing on that album? Were you recording to a click? Like, did you have a Lin drum like running in the background? No, back then, I was just trying to explain to you. Is there was four, uh, 30 uh, albums, and they were called drum drops, and they'd have a, a beat, okay. and that's much of a beat. Then they'd have a drum fill. Then they'd have that, and you know, with the same style. So you used to have to record the drum beat that you needed onto a half inch and then cut the tape and make a loop out of that. So to make a two bar uh, drum beat, you needed at 30 inches per second, you needed 22 feet of tape to actually make a loop. So in other words, we'd have microphone stands all around the studio, all around like that, looping around in the same to make a, a two bar thing so I put that on played it and then went to the piano and wrote fantasy oh my god yeah I mean that was the that was the way you do it that's that's yeah. why I learned I learned old school techniques mm-hmm. and I know all the new school and like I showed you upstairs all the super high end yeah uh, I mean that keep current I mean, very very high tech studio you know? yeah exactly talk about this home studio because you know I mean, you, you've obviously been collecting gear through the years, and finally, this is the culmination of all those years of collecting. And this, this is your your castle. Um, where, <laughs> when did you want to? When did you decide? Well, in a previous podcast, you said that you had an apartment, and you know, heard you upstairs playing as a demo, and you blast the shit out of your speakers. Oh yeah, concert so, level. So <laughs> I'm I'm surprised I'm not deaf, honestly, because right. that shit honestly. was loud. Ah, oh, fucking loud, and still is fucking loud. Yeah, excuse my expression. It's not but. a bad thing. So, you know, so was it always the ultimate dream to have like a nice, beautiful studio like this, where you could just come and 
blast the speakers and record whatever you want whenever you want was uh, this like even like a dream like when you were recording fantasy I always had um, multi-tracks and I mean I started with a Sony two-track stereo when I was uh, 14 years old I right. was doing sound on sound back then and I always had everything so when I moved into that apartment I didn't actually have a 24-track I had the uh, uh, with the hell, they call them the Kai, and it was a 20, uh, 12 track with a beta cam tape in it. Mm-hmm. And what happened with that is that you record all 12 tracks and all the overdub, and then the tape uh, would would uh, dissolve, and then <laughs> your track would dissolve. So then I bought myself a 24 track, cheaper one, Soundcraft. And then I moved up, I bought myself a Soundcraft console, then moved up and bought the, the right. Sapphire. I bought the APR24 back there in the corner. Mm. And then I just built from there. And um, after that, all, all the new stuff kind of started coming out. And I still kept all this stuff. It's still all functional. I had it all cleaned up and rebuilt last year. Wow. So you have the best of both worlds. You got the digital and the analog. Exactly. At, at your disposal. And you're not using tape ever. No, like I said, you know, you can buy eight terabytes for two hundred bucks. That's yeah. a roll a reel of tape costs four hundred bucks, and only fifteen minutes. That's it. It's insanity. And then I, I take out my, I still have multi tracks from like the Eric Lapointe records and Celine Dion and even some Bon Jovi stuff, and I tried to put them on, and the tape would oxidize mm-hmm. because you're supposed to cook the tape in an oven. Yeah, I always hear about that. You're supposed to bake the tape. Bake the tape, yeah. Like you just put it in a convection oven and uh, yeah, throw it up to 350 degrees, uh, set for two, 15 minutes? Yeah, exactly. But I don't know exactly the temperature, but you're actually supposed to bake it. Right. There's a recipe on YouTube that will show you how to do it. I didn't, but if I don't bake the tape, the oxide will stay on the heads. I mean, Ooh. so it just destroys everything. So a lot of people that have their... A lot of serious multi-tracks or expensive multi-tracks with a lot of serious artists go and get the tapes baked and then transfer to digital. Right. So you were just saying that you have like tons of you know old demos from Bon Jovi and Celine. Like, have you digitized those yet, or are they just still sitting around? Well, I I just got I found the the original tape of Bon Jovi's Blaze of Glory here yeah. where we recorded in in this house and. Um, that the cassettes still work, dats don't work. Dats anything with tape, right? Uh, uh, it just like sticks to the head and just like shreds and does whatever. But cassettes always work. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? As crappy as it's, people say they it's, sound. It's, oh yeah, the sound. But I mean, as a format, they work like forever. Huh. Interesting. So what kind of like uh, do you have like any unreleased Bon Jovi stuff just like sitting around here? Oh like, yeah, on yeah. I have stuff that I I have it in the format where you know I can't. I have the format we uh, the cassette recording where he goes, uh, "Hey Aldo, here's a new song," and really? he'll send me a new song. Oh yeah, I'll get it. Up. I'll get it for you. Oh yeah, I'd love to it. hear some of that. Yeah, he yeah. just goes, "Hey Aldo," he shuts the door. <laughs> And he I got this idea, although check this out. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I needed, you know, it would be always I needed a demo for Friday. It was always like that. And then I would arrange it, and then uh, I would record the demo, and then send it down to him, and he do the uh, the uh, the vocal, and then that would be his demo. Right. Or fly me to his down, and then whore out at the console for another three weeks. <laughs> Slave. So how would that work though? Back in the day, because now it's super easy. You just email you, hey, here's the uh, here's the multi track, or here's the stems, or here's the MP3 exactly. demo. Here's like, what do you have to can of the po- USPSU the cassette? Or like, you know, where were you living and where was he living? I was living in Montreal, and he was living in Jersey. Okay, so it's not that far of a commute. No, it's not that far. Just hop down the 87, and you're in uh, what no, exit no, in I Jersey? Take, I take the plane. I mean, I'm not a good driver. <laughs> no. I, I suck at driving. Every time I back up, I hit something. So, I mean, it's like terrible. <laughs> it's not a good thing. No. That's why my wife drives all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, how long have you had this studio? Like, did John, like, ever come and hang out here at your pad and, like, record they, some uh, stuff? Or was it always in Jersey? It was always in Jersey, but when uh, Richie came here... Uh, with uh, Obi O'Brien to correct some live stuff, some live uh, guitar stuff. And oh. Obi was impressed at the front end of the console, how it sounded. So he brought his amps. The Rorty's brought the amps. We set them up in the control seat. This is my uh, 
all my guitar. I do all my guitar solos from in there. Okay. So all my my so sounds like a live room kind of thing. Yeah, all my guitar amps over there. So I so mean, Richie Sambora recorded in that room right there. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Do you know what tracks they were, or like what like what album, or no? It was a live album. It was a live album. Hmm. So they came in and recut some live stuff. Yeah, they so came in and recut some live. live. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> I mean, is anything really live at this point? You know. But I mean, that's you can cut like doctored live because it's not yeah. that you can't you can't see the lips moving. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, a lot of artists now when they're on TV shows. They're you know doing the I lip thing. I caught a White Snake video where the, you can actually see where he screws up. Oh, where like he missed up the lyrics. Oh, he missed up the lyrics. He did the audio. But I wonder why the the video editor didn't catch it. Hmm. You know, so. Yeah, I've watched a couple of ones where like uh, there's a Shania Twain live DVD and one of the songs like the uh, the drummer is on the ride but it's clearly hi-hat in the mix and I'm like, (laughs) how do you not catch that? You know? Uh, Talk to me about this new album um, that you're working on, Life and Times of Eddie Gage. Who's Eddie? Is it you? Are you telling the story of Aldo Nova on this? Well, or? you know, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's a young kid who's very talented, who gets signed at a young age. Eddie Gage takes, uh, goes over the course of many, many years. It's not an album that takes, a, you know, like one year. It'll go from, you know, 22 to maybe uh, 40 years old. You know, I mean, that's where you, it, it takes that long for it to evolve. So really I mean, the songs are... are I mean, the album's got 23 songs on it. It's two hours long, and it's a rock opera. Right. So it's not like people are not going to complain like 2.0 that I only gypped them, you know, for songs. They're going to get it's two hours long. So. Well, the 2.0 album was great. I mean, you know, a bunch of re-records on there, and they sound as fresh as ever. But 2.0, when I was doing it, like I got excited about music again. It made me like get a passion for. Where did the excitement for- go? What? Where did the excitement go? I don't know. I spent years just trying to learn the techno- other technology. I like to keep up to date, learn how to mix, learn how to program stuff, uh, program synthesizers. And for a while, I didn't even want to touch a guitar. You know what I mean? Mm. I-, I broke my finger here, so I mean... Ouch. Yeah, exactly. So it took me uh, three and a half years to relearn how to play. So basically, I play with two fingers. So... Uh, but you can't tell when you, when you hear me, so. Right. Well, you learn and adapt like every other guitar player. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure that uh, you cut off uh, uh, Steve Vai's uh, left hand. I'm sure he's going to learn how to play with the 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 the, the, the manual. Like the, use, same the other one is on stage, you know, figure right, it no, out he'll, somehow. He'll, he'll play with like the, <laughs> he'll play slide with his like yeah. wrist. Yeah, play with his nub, exactly. <laughs> so this rock opera, you said it's 22 songs over two hours. 23 songs. 23 songs. So how many songs did you write for it? I wrote about over 100 songs for it. Um, now, when you say over a hundred songs, is there a hundred completed songs, start to finish, melody and lyrics, demo fully included, or is that just like ideas that could potentially turn into something better? Some of them are completely finished, recorded, mixed uh, songs. Wow! And some of them are no. Everything would have been pretty much uh, all my demos. On top of that, they're record quality. You could release my demos and. You know, sounds you know, like an album. Sounds like an album, yeah. Sounds like a record, a real record. But when you're writing a hundred songs like that, and you're coming in with ideas for an album, you know this rock opera is going to have twenty three on it, or it already has. It's done. Is it quality over quantity, or is it quantity over quality? It's um, well, quality's never been an issue with me. I mean, quality has to be top notch. I'm the most demanding person there is, but I'm the most demanding with myself. Right. I mean, I, I'm not going to ask of others what I can't do myself. Right. So, Would you say you're hard on yourself in that sense? Well, I'm hard, but I mean, I, I strive for perfection when right. it comes to there. But there's the real, real perfection is imperfection. If you look at a tree, it, there's not one leaf that's exactly the same on it, yet the tree looks perfect. It, but it's just not perfection. Mm-hmm. If the tree was perfect, it wouldn't look right. So everything that let's say God made or whatever mm-hmm. is unnaturally imperfect but it's beautiful mm. so it's, it's not the fact that being perfect with me the music it has to be strike a chord in somebody I'm trying to make music that'll give you emotion that'll make somebody cry that'll make somebody laugh that'll make somebody uh, you know happy that you know I strive for emotion you know so if, right. the, if the track doesn't you know, make me when I make me like 
feel something, then I get off it. You know what I mean? So, and with uh, Eddie Gage, it was just a matter of also fitting the characters. So some of them didn't fit, and or some of them were replaced because the character did fit. I mean, I finished. I started in 2008, and 12 years later, I finished. I, I the out the record was finished, mastered, everything ready to go, and then I wrote another great song that I figured fit the character, and uh, it was written and recorded on May 12th of this year, and I released it on May 29th. So right, yeah. So the first single's out. I mean, on Spotify. So how are you? How do you plan on releasing the whole thing? Are you going to be doing like a quadruple gatefold uh, album? Are you going to be doing CDs, or are you just... Because I, I heard on a previous podcast that you're kind of releasing each song kind of like one month at a time as it goes along, and hopefully you'll be able to get back on the road next year to perform these songs live. Yeah, I hope like, so. Like, what's the what's the thought process behind it? Like, are you going to put it out as like a full package eventually, or is it just going to be exclusively digital? No, no, I'm hoping to put it up. I mean, I have all the artwork. The artwork is amazing, and I have the libretto, and I have the story written out. So that people can understand where it goes, right? And um, so I'm, I'm willing to put it out, but it, like I said, in today's climate with uh, COVID and concert hall, everything in the concert uh, being like a mess, uh, uh, you know, I'll put it out when the time is ready. I'm not just gonna throw 12 years of work down the down the no. cracks to fall through the cracks no exactly and especially you know there's so many artists out there now that are just scrambling to try and stay relevant releasing everything and anything for the mass population to try and consume and there's so much out there so when it comes time for you to actually put it out people are going to be looking for it yeah but my music is like that. especially on this album it's timeless right. I could have released it 12 years ago I could release it in 2035 it doesn't make any difference so you started in 2008 and to here we are in 2020 was there, is there, do you have to go in and change the sound of drums or change the sound of guitars to sound more modern or? Yeah, I just redid the drums and the vocals and the guitars. And of course I discovered a great new drummer in Miami, his name is Lee Levin. So once I started make, putting him on the drums, I let him redo the whole album because yeah. he was just, he, he was the guy for me. And like I said, Dan Warner did all the rhythm guitars and the effects guitars. And he was my guy, like I said, for that. Then I would do all the leads, the rhythms, the vocal, everything else that you hear is me. Right. So, um, but, um, I mean, the whole record is like, it's pretty amazing. I bet it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll play you, sound, you, you seem really excited yeah, about the it. Yeah, quali- so. quality over quantity. It's, it's just like when it was done, it was done. Yeah. I don't just, like I said, it made. I took 12 years. I'm like, I don't care if it takes... But the album's going to be going up and down. You're going to have high-energy rock stuff. You're going to have your ballads no, that you're I'm well done. known for. I'm done. At a certain point when I wrote this last song, I yeah. said, okay, I'm done. Yeah. I, I know when a song is done and when it's not. Right. A lot of people don't, you know, they can't find the end or, oh, I can make it better and do that. When I, when the song is done, I get it mastered immediately. I finish it. I go get it mastered and I never touch it after that. So that's a good thing because then you're you're you said that's it it's done and you're not going to dwell on it exactly no so you were saying that you write for you know you you want to convey emotion and you want to convey different feelings when you write this music when you're writing stuff for you for Aldo Nova what's the biggest difference between writing stuff for say Celine if you take a song like You and I for example or um, you know A New Day Has Come which is massive hits but I could hear you singing that. So, did you write that for you? Was that an Aldo song, or did you go into that writing session writing those lyrics with Celine in mind? I wrote those lyrics with Celine in mind. Yeah. She was uh, expecting a child, and um, uh, those lyrics can be taken two ways. Uh, but she was expecting a child, so I uh, I wrote aimed the song for her. You know, automatically that maybe you know, she would let do it automatically. Right. So that song, the lyrics were were aimed at her, and the way that song was written is that my co-writer Stefan Macho just started cycling four chords: uh, C minor, uh, A flat, uh, E flat, and B and B and D flat uh, major, 
just keep going, went going, and I said, okay, keep going. And then I wrote the melody. Then I wrote the words. And uh, But it was targeted for her. Right. So, I mean, I know when a song is for me and when a song is for somebody else. Right. And if you, so when you do write those songs and then you produce a demo, how close is the commercial product that we hear on the radio to your original demo? Probably sometimes better. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes uh, I even had to redo David Foster's stuff. I mean, really? yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I send a song to David Foster and uh, I didn't like the product. And l- luckily he was kind enough to send it back to me to redo what I originally had done. Right. But some stuff went better. and uh, But my demo sounded like really, really good. Hmm. It's like, you know, like on a new day, like those vocals, like, new day. I'll like play, all those backing I'll, vocals. I'll play you the demo. Oh, I'd love to hear the demo, yeah. I'll, I'll play you the demo, and I'll play the finished album, mm-hmm. the finished album version, which I, I, I produce. There's no difference. There was, they even used my backing vocals at the top. There's, even the girl sounds yeah. like Celine. Mm-hmm. There's no difference. It's identical. Wow. So same thing for like you and I? You and I was written for an Air Canada commercial. Right. And the guy, the slogan was, you and I were meant to fly. And so I was in Ireland at the time. And so they wrote the slogan, and then you just took it and put I, melody to I it. I took the, the slogan, and I wrote the song. I was in Ireland, and I wrote the song completely from beginning to end. Like, every word, every arrangement, everything. I went to Sweden at the time because in Ireland they had no studio. Right. I went to Sweden, and Sweden is just over overboarding with talent. Well, that's where all the... I think every pop song in the last 30 years has come out of Sweden. With Max, Max Martin, Martin and all and, those guys, yeah. yeah. And so um, at every corner there's a guy, so I met a bunch of producers there that were like amazing programmers, and they had ideas. So I was working with a guy called Per Astrum, went into a studio... And um, we recorded You and I were, When I Were Meant to Fly. And uh, Jeanette Olson sang the, the vocal. Mm-hmm. And then we sent it to the uh, advertising firm. And they didn't touch any of it. I said, do you want me to touch... Uh, mm-hmm. to, if you want me to touch up any of the lyrics, I'll touch them up. And they said, no, it's fine. They loved it. It's fine. Yeah, they loved it. Do you remember where you were when you came up with that melody? You know, you and I... Like- I, was, I, was, I, I tell you one thing about that song. Is I played it to them. I said, I've got a, that smash. I played it to them over the phone. Uh-huh. And I was singing myself. And, you know, it's like, you can't hear shit over the phone. You know, no. so it's like, these guys go, oh, well, I don't know what the fuck you wrote. It's like, I can't hear nothing, you know. It's Transatlantic just a, Yeah, I got call. the phone here. You're on collect. And I'm playing. It's like, uh, it sounds awful, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, at least it gave me a chance to do it. Right. Well, it's good. At least a shitty phone connection didn't ruin that chance, <laughs> you know. All right, well, I guess uh, we're going to wrap it up here uh, coming up. Uh, how long has it been? 30. 30? Okay, yeah, perfect. Well, this is chapter one. This is chapter one, yeah. We're going to have to do another chat. <laughs> this is uh, this is fun. Well, thanks for having us at your home and uh, inviting uh, us in. I'm, well, uh, I'm, uh, this is like I'm the first honored. in-person interview I've done in like over six months. This is awesome. Yeah, well, I have no problem having you in my house. I mean, it's actually a, it's better for me. It makes things more informal. You know, yeah, uh, it's a little bit more personal than just seeing somebody over a screen. You know, I think so. Yeah, I think it's kind of what everybody needs at this point: seeing people together. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, you know, it's great. Well, so what can we expect in twenty twenty one tour? If, full release of the album. Full release of the album. Like I said, if the time is right, and otherwise, like I said, I, I worked on it for twelve years. I'm not just going to put it out and let it fall through the cracks. Right. I don't give a fuck. So 2021, can we see Aldo Nova on tour with Bon Jovi playing stadiums? Uh, with Bon Jovi, no, because this isn't like opening acts. Right. Or he treats them very... I'm, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, but you know... <laughs> no, 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 say it, say it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not going to say it. I, I, I've discovered... I, over the course of many years, I've discovered that saying something... Uh, bad about somebody it doesn't make you look any better so. no absolutely not so whatever there's I, nothing I, wrong with saying I'm not an opening act no I'm not a, well I I am an opening act right but he doesn't take opening acts you know what I mean so true but you know the, the, you're, well if you're, he was with Barry will uh, testify to the experience that <laughs> it was not a well it was not a inviting in situation there <laughs> wow well, next time we're going to talk about that. There's the teaser for part two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
Live in Times of Eddie Gage. You can check out the uh, first couple of singles on Spotify. Also, you know what? Go buy them on iTunes. It'll give them a couple extra pennies so we can buy some more cool gear. Some shekels. You know, is this the <laughs> is this the original? Uh, where's the the Les Paul from the Fantasy cover? Uh, I don't have that anymore. No. Damn. It got lost. This is my signature list. Like an airline yeah. lost it or something? Yeah. Or? Oh my God. What? Yeah. That's insanity. Uh, you know, but when, that was like back in the 80s. So you didn't know a guitar like that was going to be worth something in the well, no. 2000s. What year was that, Les Paul? That, that Les Paul? I don't know what it was. No. I just like... Back then, I wasn't like a connoisseur or anything. I'm not. I'm still not. I'm not the kind of guy who collects. The, I see these guys collecting seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars less balls. Yeah. I mean, I even have my. I designed this from head to toe. Uh, hold on. There you go. I yeah. just. I designed this from head to toe. It's a signature less ball that I made. It's number zero zero one, and there's only twelve in the world. Rick Nielsen owns the other eleven. But this is number zero zero one. He owns eleven. He owns eleven of them. The only, the, all the other eleven. He approached me when we we opened again for him in two thousand eleven. Said, "Well, you know that guitar," and I'm sure he would have paid a pretty penny for it. But it's like mine. You know, it's like I never sell anything. I've got stuff sitting in here from nineteen eighty two. Like I don't never throw anything out. Right. It's not a bad thing. No, I mean you know. Keep I it mean, all. Alright, well, there you go. All to know, everybody. Thanks for uh, watching, checking it out. The Jeremy White Podcast. Podcast. The Jeremy White Podcast. I'm working on a really cool cover because Shania Twain celebrating the uh, the diamond edition of her album, The Woman and Me. It's coming out on October 2nd. You can pre order it right now, ShaniaTwain.com. I pre ordered all the versions. Because it's one of my favorite records of all time. So I'm working on a special cover to commemorate the release of that album. And it's going to be a super rockin' kind of staying faithful to the original arrangement version of the song. And it's going to be it's gonna be fun. I'm, gonna, I'm still working on it. Going to probably drop it maybe in uh, a week or two. If I can get it done if I have time. Anyways, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for hanging on the Jeremy White Podcast, episode two. Appreciate you being there. Um, if you want to give me a like and a five-star review and... Give me a subscribe. That would be so epic of you. I'm working on getting some merch, uh, some merch done. So once that's done, I'll uh, send me a message if you want to get like a t-shirt or some guitar picks. I'd be more than happy to mail you some of the stuff once I get it all sorted. Probably within the, the, the end of the month, I'll have some stuff. All right. Follow me on Instagram, Jeremy White MTL, Twitter, Jeremy White MTL. Also, the Jeremy White Podcast has uh, its own dedicated Twitter and Instagram channels. I'm not really using them. I think I'm just going to stick with my own. Like, I don't know. It just feels weird having like a designated podcast page it only has like i don't know not a ton of followers so i don't know i guess i'll see anyways let me follow let me know what you thought of this episode got any questions uh taking your questions uh oh yeah feedback whatever dude uh hit me up all right next week on the show i'm gonna be talking to um either david ellison of megadeth and tom hazard they got a brand new cover album coming out in october but i might push that to the week after that uh i want to talk to somebody from my community next week and uh Discuss the COVID-19 pandemic right here in my hometown of Gunnawaga, Mohawk Territory, and uh, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation, so we're going to drift away a little bit from the music next week, I think. I don't know. I guess you'll just have to stick. You'll have to tune in and find out. All right? Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you soon. Peace. This has been the Jeremy White Podcast. With Bistan. For the best Lebanese cuisine in Montreal, it's got to be Bistan. Visit Bistan.ca. For exclusive content, video and interviews. Connect with Jeremy White. Subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio and... Available wherever you get your podcasts.